Fans of longer days in the mid-Atlantic region of the United States of America have three weeks to go, so the world begins turning back to the other way. The solstice will mark the official start of summer, but many would argue it's already here. I'm not here to argue, and neither is Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast that seeks to document as much as it can. The I mentioned above is me, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, details on what's in the compromise budget that the General Assembly will vote on today. Albemarle supervisors have a full meeting, including a vote for a new planning commissioner. Two plans for a future regional transit authority are presented to area leaders, and both have hefty price tags. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, have you been thinking of converting your fossil fuel appliances and furnaces into something that will help the community reduce its greenhouse gas emissions? Your local energy nonprofit, LEAP, has launched a new program to guide you through the steps towards electrifying your home. Thermalize Virginia will help you understand electrification and connect you with vetted contractors to get the work done and help you find any rebates or discounts. Visit thermalizeva.org to learn more and to sign up. Both chambers of the Virginia General Assembly will convene at 10 a.m. this morning to finish work on several bills left over from the regular session. The major item left waiting to be finalized is the state budget, and conference reports were made public over the weekend. There are 370 pages in the conference report for HB 30, the technical name for the bill for the two-year state budget that begins on July 1st. A team of six delegates and eight senators were appointed at the end of the session to come up with the compromises. One running theme is the reduction of funding that is now required because of the elimination of the sales tax on foods for human consumption and personal hygiene products. The standard deduction for Virginia income taxes has also been increased from $4,500 to $8,000 for single filers and $9,000 to $16,000 for married couples. There's a lot in the budget, and here are some of the highlights. Let's start with education. A $400 million competitive fund will be set up for local school boards to apply for funding for construction, expansion, or modernization of public school buildings. The grants would cover up to 30% of the project cost. There is a separate $400 million for the school construction grant program for debt service payments on school projects that have been completed or initiated during the last 10 years. School systems across the state will get $104.1 million in fiscal year 23 and $257.2 million in 24 for hold harmless payments to represent the loss of revenue from the suspension of the grocery tax. $100 million will go into a College Partnership Laboratory Schools Fund, which will be for the creation of public, non-sectarian, non-religious schools in the Commonwealth, established by a baccalaureate public institution of higher education. The Secretary of Education will be directed to study the practice of collecting student debts for public institutions of higher education. The RISE Foundation of Waynesboro is allocated $250,000 for preventive services for at-risk youth. 
around nine and a half million over two years, will go to support the implementation of the Virginia Literacy Act. Chesterfield County Public Schools will get $1.364 million over two years to help establish a recovery high school for students in early stages of recovery from substance use disorder or dependency. Here are some economic development and tourism items. There's $66.7 million in funding over two years to support biotechnology in Virginia, including up to $18 million for the University of Virginia Institute of Biotechnology to accelerate biotechnology commercialization, genomics and gene therapies, drug delivery technologies, and biomanufacturing facilities in the Commonwealth over the next five fiscal years through incentives designed to attract 150 research scientists. The Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services will be allocated $125,000 to the Virginia Wine Board for the breeding of vinifera-style wine groups, with a specific focus on combining vinifera fruit quality with downy mildew resistance, with an objective of commercializing the resulting variety within 10 to 15 years. There's $700,000 to hire seven inspectors for regulating hemp products and investigating possible violations. This is related to changes in the already adopted rules for hemp and marijuana. $9 million would be spent over the next two years for the Governor's Motion Picture Opportunity Fund. The Frederick County Economic Development Authority will get $5 million to help develop sites that can support the growth of small aerospace, avionics, and unmanned systems companies in Planning District 7. Matching funds would need to be provided within a year. Virginia Tech would receive $2.5 million to create a unique world-class future truck research and development center in southwest Virginia. Nelson County would get $250,000 to support the planning of a Vietnam and Foreign Conflicts Museum. The Woodrow Wilson Presidential Library in Stanton would get a $250,000 grant for renovations. $30 million in funding for a new solar loan and rebate program has been eliminated. The Virginia Economic Development Partnership Authority would get $2.5 million in fiscal year 24 for a grant program to spur development in the offshore wind industry. There's $200,000 for a feasibility study on whether a new inland port should be built in either southwest Virginia or the Lynchburg area. There's $2 million for an international sailing event in Norfolk called Opsail 250. Here are some environmental items. There's $575,000 in new funding for an invasive species detection program. The Department of Conservation and Recreation would get $350,000 for the creation of an environmental literacy plan. The Dam Safety, Flood Prevention, and Protection Assistance Fund would get an additional $10 million, matching a $10 million appropriation from the state share of the American Rescue Plan Act. DCR would also get $1 million to study harmful algae blooms on Lake Anna. The phased ban on polystyrene containers would be delayed five years until July 1, 2028. Another $320,000 would go to monitor groundwater for the presence of perfluoroalkyl and polyfluoroalkyl substances, otherwise known as PFAS. The Department of Wildlife Resources gets $400,000 over two years for a program to restore freshwater mussels across Virginia. And here are a couple of land use items. 
The Department of Housing and Community Development is directed to develop a model lease for manufactured home parks in collaboration with a wide variety of stakeholders and to conduct a feasibility of these parks as a source of affordable housing for Virginians. And just over $11 million for planning for a center for the arts at the University of Virginia has been deferred. There are links to several articles in the newsletter for more information. Three candidates are awaiting to see if they will be the ones selected to represent the Whitehall District on the Albemarle Planning Commission. Jenny Moore resigned in April before the end of her second term. Supervisors meet at 1 o'clock today and will make their appointments at 6 o'clock after a closed session. They will also select a new non-voting member to represent the University of Virginia. The previous holder of that position was Luis Carrizana, and he was elevated to be the at-large commissioner earlier this year. Unlike the Board of Supervisors, there are seven members of the Planning Commission. The applicants for the Whitehall seat are Mark McKenney, Lonnie Murray, and Elizabeth Wachtneister. Murray is an elected official of the Thomas Jefferson Soil and Water Conservation Board. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. It's getting close to the end of springtime, and one Patreon subscriber wants you to know that the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives campaign is a grassroots initiative of motivated citizens, volunteers, partner organizations, and local governments who want to promote the use of native plants. Did you know that National Pollinator Week is June 20th through June 26th this year? There are so many ways to celebrate and learn more about our native pollinators. And a great one to start with is that the Lewis Ginter Botanical Garden in Richmond is hosting an in-person virtual pollinator power symposium on June 23rd. There's an excellent lineup of speakers scheduled for the day. More information on that in the weeks to come. There are plenty of resources, though, on the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Facebook page, so sign up to be notified of lectures, plant sales, and more. One more segment today. Work is nearing completion on a conceptual study for how public transportation might work better across the entirety of the Thomas Jefferson Planning District. Today, the Board of Supervisors will get an update on the $350,000 regional transit vision that's currently underway. Last week, an appointed body consisting of elected officials and transit officials got an update on the regional transit vision. Tim Brule of AECOM is the project manager for this vision plan, and he spoke to the Jefferson Area Regional Transit Partnership on May 26th. The, the project uh, was a is a collaborative effort to evaluate and establish a clear long-term vision for transit service in the region. Uh, so not just uh, the urbanized area, but also the rural areas uh, surrounding uh, Charlottesville, Albemarle County. If you're unfamiliar with planning, you should know that any plan needs a vision statement to provide an overarching purpose. To de develop, design, and provide transit in the Charlottesville area in a manner that reflects a collaborative, inclusive, and equitable process representing needs in both urban and rural areas. The purpose is to reduce reliance on personal vehicles for multiple reasons. 
and two, provide a way to get around for people without access to a personal vehicle. But how to make that work? Scudder Wag with Jarrett Walker and Associates presented one vision concept that assumed the region will have access to new revenues from a transportation authority similar to one in the Richmond area. This is known as the constrained vision. Such an authority would take enabling authority from the General Assembly and would build off of existing services. WAG also presented an unconstrained vision that assumed no limits on transit funding. For instance, that would allow for expansion of demand response service to seven days a week, as well as fixed route transit to places that currently don't have it, such as Scottsville, Lovingston, Rutgersville, Palmyra. This would come with a hefty price tag. So basically, if you applied a similar funding structure there um, to your region, how many dollars could that produce? And if you put most of those dollars toward transit, what could it produce, which is about $26 million a year? Most of that cost is in personnel with drivers and mechanics, as well as additional vehicles. It does take people to run a transit system, and another way to measure the output of one is through service hours. WAG said Charlottesville Area Transit has about 94,000 service hours a year annually, and Jaunt operates 37,000 for a total of 131,000 service hours for the general public. The partnership isn't in charge of the purse strings, so today's conversation before the Board of Supervisors will yield more of a sense of whether there's an appetite to pursue additional funding, and if so, where to direct it. Jarrett Walker and Associates helped redraw the bus system in the greater Richmond area, and CAT Director Garland Williams was there at the time. The majority of the emphasis was actually put on um, frequency, um, and our ridership jumped 22%. Then the second piece was to look at, once the frequent service is in, how can you read it, um, adjust networks to reduce travel times? Williams said that the same model could be applied here. A microtransit on-demand pilot in Albemarle is a year away from happening and depends on a ward of funding from the Commonwealth Transportation Board. Trevor Henry is the assistant county executive. Well, it will be awarded and the starting of it would be acquisition, um, development of the program, software acquisition, it, you know, things that have to happen before the actual, you know, um, buses on the ground, so to speak. The regional transit vision plan is separate from a $150,000 governance study that will suggest how to actually move forward with setting up the new structures to actually run the enhanced service, be they the constrained or unconstrained visions. There's a link to the regional transit vision in a link in the newsletter. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for June 1st, 2022. Thank you for being here. There are, as I said, only 20 days left of springtime, a springtime that seems much more summery. Of course, in summary is what I do all of the time, bringing you information as best as I can. And of course, if you would like to help cover the costs of that, one way you can do that is to subscribe with a paying subscription to the Substack. If you do do that, the company Ting will match your initial amount, which is a great way to help uh, promote this particular brand of community journalism. The second thing you can do is send this on to somebody else if you have heard it to this place. Of course, 
if I'm not sure anybody's necessarily listening, but if you are, thank you. That's all I want to say. Now, it's time to get this thing produced and get on to producing the next one. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program, and this is a service of Town Crier Productions. And if you want to learn more about that and to look at the archive, go visit infoseville.com. Thanks for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye.